Welcome to The Spin Cycle. I'm Maggie Sarachek. And I'm Abby Greenberg. And together we are the Anxiety Sisters. Before we begin our discussion of medication, you should know that we are not doctors, nor do we have any medical training. This podcast is based solely on our personal experiences and the experiences of women we have interviewed about anxiety. Always consult a medical professional before making any choices concerning drug therapy. In this, our third episode of The Spin Cycle, we're going to talk about the use of medication in the treatment of anxiety what's good about it, what's not so good about it, how it works, and more. Full disclosure, we both take meds as the primary treatment for our anxiety. And although there are other routes we could have chosen, for us, the most effective was drug therapy. However, and this is very, very important, we are not sponsored by drug companies. We don't believe it's always the best choice for anxiety treatment. We don't believe it should be your only treatment plan. And we fully buy into and use the many non-medicine techniques for managing anxiety we write about in our blogs. The Anxiety Sisters is a nonpartisan organization. Those who take medication and those who don't are equally welcome and neither are judged. So, Abs, you were really anti-medication for a long time. I remember when you had postpartum depression and I suggested medication. You were very against it. But eventually you changed your mind and came around when you, when you had anxiety. And I'm wondering what changed for you. What made you come around to the idea that perhaps medication was one way to help yourself? It's a really great question. I'll start by saying that I know what was going through my head when I was resisting medication. And that was the feeling that I should be strong enough to get through this. I felt that, I mean, to a certain extent, I think I felt it was my fault. I know that probably sounds a little crazy, but I felt like my depression was some sort of weakness on my part, my inability to be a good mom, or my inability to just suck it up and, and stop crying and get through the day. And I, and I felt I was angry with myself and very ashamed. And I think the idea of taking medication for that at that point made me feel worse, you know, like, like, like I was surrendering to some happy pill. So I went to my OBGYN, you know, for my six week postpartum checkup. And I told him, I said, I am crying all the time. All I do is cry. I don't feel like I'm loving this baby in the way that I love my other kids. I feel like I can't get out of bed. Everything seems very dark to me. Colors seem very drab to me. I remember saying that, saying that the colors aren't bright. I remember you saying that. Yeah, and I, I didn't get it. couldn't get it. And the OBGYN, who was a really fine doctor, and I really respected him, said to me, oh, you're such a funny person. These are just the baby blues. Don't worry. You'll get your sense of humor back. It's going to be great. And my wife, you know, had four children, and she had the baby blues also, and you'll get through it. He... He never said to me, oh, okay, this is really inhibiting your functioning as a mother, so this is beyond baby blues, this is depression, and we need to treat it. I think had he taken that approach, 
and then said, we should put you on some medication to help you through this time, I absolutely would have changed my thoughts. (laughs) He gave you back more of what you were already feeling, which is, I can beat this on my own. Right, right. Yeah, although still most people find that they're either their internists or even their OBGYN, don't ask them about their mental health. That's true. That is still the case, that doctors don't ask about mental health for a variety of reasons. Right, Um, that's true. And something we're hoping to change. Right, I mean, some of the reason is that they're rushed to see each patient, but they don't, that is not part of what they ask about. Yeah. Next podcast, what's wrong with our health system? (laughs) Okay, so your question was two-part. You wanted to know what, you know, why I didn't take medication, why I was so resistant, which I answered, and then you wanted to know what changed my mind. Exactly. Okay, so what changed my mind? I think that the depression, as horrifying as it was, because I literally, you know, me, I'm an upbeat person who loves to be with people, and it was a horrifying notion that I did not want to talk to anybody, that I wanted to just stay huddled up in my bed, and that, you know, all I did was cry. That was not my personality. But despite how upsetting that whole situation was, I I did somehow muddle through it mm-hmm. because I didn't take medication and some, you got better. I did eventually yes. get better. I mean, I started, you know, getting out in the world, forcing myself to get out in the world, and I met a very lovely group of women who became our playgroup and I confided in them about how I was feeling. They were very helpful. And my husband was amazing. I mean, he basically stopped working for those 3 months and came home every day and to take care of the baby so that I could get out and and do some things for myself. He, you know, he he was very attentive to the illness that I was oh, yeah. and he knew that something was up, right. you know. So, thank thank goodness for Jay because he really he's the reason that I got through that postpartum depression. But when I was around 41 and had my first panic attack, you know, I, I, we talked about how in earlier, yes. uh, the earlier podcast, how my depression is what started my mental health journey, but it really ended up in anxiety. So when I got to the anxiety attack, that was, was not bearable. I mean, that was not something I could shoulder through. The, the, the first anxiety attack that I ever had was the worst experience of my entire life, bar none. It was the absolute worst. And I think at that point, I would have done anything, taken anything. I was so desperate to never have that feeling again. And I did have another couple of panic attacks before I actually did go on medication. But in the hospital, I went to the ER for my first panic attack, which I thought was a heart attack. And the doctor gave me Ativan. Abs, I'm going to stop you right there. Just remember where you are. But for those of you who don't know what Ativan is, Ativan is a benzodiazepine. Um, Abby and I call it benzos because I really can't pronounce the whole word. You did a fine job. Thank you, thank you. And basically a benzo is a fast-acting tranquilizer is the best way to describe it. And you might have heard of Ativan or Valium or Xanax or Clonopin. Those are the ones that are the most used. Um, And so it acts very quickly and it stays in your bloodstream for a very short time, few hours. It's not something that's long term. Right, and that has a sedating effect on the brain. Yes, it does. So it's not not to operate heavy machinery with it. Or drink alcohol. Or drink alcohol. And and the thing about benzos is they're wonderful in the sense that when you're having a panic attack, they can stop that panic attack often. But 
for people who struggle with addiction of any kind, benzos are they can be addicting for some people. They haven't they haven't had that effect on you at all. No, I've been taking them fairly regularly for the past I think 7 or 8 years. And I've had no trouble stopping whenever I want to. I haven't had to increase my dosage. Right. I've had a very easy time with it, but I don't have an addictive personality. Right. I, you know, right. You don't have a. Uh, you haven't had an an addiction in your past no. in terms of drugs or alcohol. I know people who've been taking them for many, many years, also without the problem of addiction. Right. So, um, and and my psychiatrist d- did ask me. My current psychiatrist yeah. did ask me before he prescribed my first Ativan prescription. He did ask me if I had addiction problems. So, right. you know. There always is the case where someone, um, you will hear about someone who, this is their first addiction, is to a benzo. But I, I think it's fairly safe for people who haven't had a past of any kind of addiction. Well, here's a factoid. Do you know what's the first drug they give a baby in the NICU? Ativan. Ativan. Yes. So my feeling is if they can give a baby in the NICU a half a milligram of Ativan when the baby is two hours old, then this almost 50-year-old can handle a milligram. Right. And and the reason I'm saying this in part is because if you Google benzos on the internet, you're going to read a lot about addiction or people who've gotten addicted and hooked on them and doctors saying it should only be a very short-term solution. And there were widely publicized celebrities' deaths. Right, right. You know, we, we all think about Heath Ledger, who was found filled with Xanax, but also right. alcohol and other drugs. And other so, drugs. You know, I think that the, the statistics for anxiety sisters who are taking benzos as prescribed to handle panic attacks and severe phobias and and um, obsessive compulsive disorder to the point where it's disrupting right. your ability to get out of the house in the morning, I don't think that those people are overdosing. Right. So back to my story. So I'm in the emergency room for the third time, and the doctor prescribes, gives me a 10-day prescription for Ativan, one milligram a day. Third time's a charm. Yeah. Yes. Apparently it was. Uh, I mean, I just wasn't going to go through that one more time. Right. Honestly, I, I would have taken cyanide at that point to not go through it one more time. I, I can understand. Um, I was making bargains with everybody, you know, in my head. It's really bad. Any panic sister knows that. So, and it it was clear to me that I was not going to muscle through that, that there was no willpower on earth that was going to stop what was going on in my body. You were going to end up in the emergency room. Exactly. And it was getting really expensive. Uh So uh, I went to a psychiatrist because I only had a 10 day supply and I needed more. So I went to a psychiatrist and she recommended that I go on an SSRI called Lexapro. Wait, I'm going to stop you again. I just want to make sure everyone knows what an SSRI is and the difference between a benzo and an SSRI. So SSRIs are medication that you take every day, and that's Prozac or Zoloft, Alexa, Lexapro. There's a whole class of medications, and these aren't like benzos. You don't take them on an as-needed basis. This is something you have to do every day. You have to build it up in your system. Exactly. They're not, um, They're not. I'm having a panic attack right now, I can take this. Right. They're, that won't help if you take it. No, it will not <laughs> We've help. We've tried that. 
<laughs> I mean, that that is something portrayed in the movies sometimes. Oh, right. give me a Prozac. No, it doesn't work like that. You need some pronunciation help? I probably do. Okay. For the SSRI? Yes. yes. Go ahead. Okay, so SSRI stands for a Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. Beautiful. And Say that five times. <laughs> I can't even say it once. But SSRIs take a while to get into your system, so it could take up to... Definitely from four to six weeks. At least. I know least. you had you had some relief after two weeks. I, I had some relief after a week, believe yeah. it or not. Very but few people have that right. luck. I right. did not have any relief for a month and then not the full relief for more than two months. So it really, for some people, metabolizes differently. Right. Now, get back to SSRI. Um, what it does is it keeps the serotonin in your brain from being reabsorbed. Your serotonin is your happy chemical, right? Your feel-good chemical. So the SSRI keeps it from being reabsorbed so you have more serotonin available to you so that you can stave off and resist anxiety and depression. So and it and it does have to build up in your system and, and it takes quite a long time to do so. Mm-hmm. So my psychiatrist prescribed Lexapro to get me started. Now, why did she think that you needed Lexapro in addition to a benzo, in addition to Ativan? I'm not positive what okay. her reason was, but she, you know, she interviewed me for two hours. I had a litany of blood tests and everything else. And she had a really good health history for me. So I think what she felt was that just taking a benzo a couple times a day it was not going to be a long-term solution. I think she right. was thinking that if I went on an SSRI, that I would could drop the benzo eventually. And by the way, I could have. And I, and there's been times in the last several years where I have gone without benzos and have only taken right. my Prozac, but which is what I'm on also, now. Also, the benzos, um, like an Ativan, it doesn't prevent a panic attack. No. We're going on an SSRI really prevents the level of panic attack. So you right. might still have a, a panic attack, but it often is not as severe. Right. Uh, and although I might disagree with you in the sense that if I wake up in the morning and I'm feeling fairly edgy, if I take an Ativan, I won't have a panic attack. Uh-huh. So Interesting. Um, I, in fact, that's what I do very often now. Right, I will but you take also a half an have an SSRI in your system at the same time. So. Correct, but I guess I'm afraid to trust that the SSRI would stave off the edginess. I get so, that. So I, I personally take both. I use the benzos as needed for panic. And I use the SSRI for overall depression and anxiety. Okay. Okay, Mag. So when did you start to consider medication? Well, my story was a little bit different than yours because I was already in therapy when I first started getting my panic attacks. I had been in therapy for a long time. My therapist knew that I was getting panic attacks. But even even she felt that at first we were going to try to help me through them without medication. And maybe she tried that or we tried that for a little bit too long. I remember the day that I decided, and I think my therapist decided that I definitely needed medication, which was a day I was at home and trying to get ready for work. And I had called her about three times because I could not get ready for work. I just was dizzy. I was nauseous. I felt like I had the stomach flu, even though by that time I had an idea that it was anxiety. It was a panic attack. And she really believed in getting out and going on with your day, even if you were having a panic attack. So she 
said to me, keep calling me back until we get you out of the house. But I could not get out of the house. So you did have your own version of someone kind of getting you to muscle through. Right. I did have my own version of that. And finally, she said to me on that day, you know what? You are trying as hard as you possibly can. We need to look at medication. And that's the day that I knew, yes, I think we do. If medication can help... (laughs) I am going to take it. So what did you start with? So I went to a psychiatrist off my insurance at the time, and he started me with Ativan also, which helped me a little bit. It it helped me mainly. It made me very sleepy, but it did help me a a small amount. Um, Did it stop the panic? It didn't stop the panic. It just made me very tired. So So you were too tired to panic. I guess it did sort of calm down the panic, although it didn't stop it. Um, And then he he also put me on Prozac, which helped me quite a bit. And that's an SSRI. And that is an SSRI. Um, And I stayed on that. I stayed at that point. I probably only stayed on Prozac and Ativan for about six months or seven months till I was feeling better. Okay, so they helped you. You were feeling better. Yeah, I was feeling better. I, I had some side effects from the Prozac. I had an uneasy stomach. We've all had side effects from Prozac. Yes. <laughs> but eventually I felt well enough that I felt like I could manage on my own. And so eventually I went off both drugs. Under doctor's care. Well, I did not go off under doctor's care, but I should have got off Big under doctor's care. Big mistake. Big mistake. But More on that in another podcast. Yes, I should have got off under doctor's care. But it was a few years later, quite a few years later, actually, where I had my second bout of getting terrible panic and anxiety. And this time I knew right away I'm going on medication. And I did one thing different this time, which is I went, partly because of my internist at the time, um, she sent me to some, a psychiatrist that was an anxiety specialist. Oh, game changer. It really was a game changer because at that point I had terrible phobias as well. Oh, as I remember that elevators and subways and uh huh, yeah. flying, flying. And transportation, transportation yeah. phobia. I was having terrible phobias as well. So she sent me to the psychiatrist who was an anxiety specialist, and he put me on Xanax, and which is a benzo, which is a benzo, because I told him Ativan had made me more sleepy. And he put me on Xanax, and he put me on Zoloft. Which is an SSRI. Yes. Why did he not put you back on Prozac? I remember him telling me like that this is an art and a science, and so he listened to the stories and what was happening to someone and really tried to sort of figure out using his expertise what would be best for them. And he felt like if your primary issue was anxiety, then Zoloft seemed like a very good choice. Okay. So he artfully prescribed Zoloft. Which has been wonderful for me. Which you're still on to this day. I am still on to this day. Which I think you once told me that someone would have to pry from your cold, dead hands. (laughs) I um, am an actual believer in putting it in the water. Um, (laughs) No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. The thing is, though, I don't take a benzo anymore at all. I don't take Xanax anymore. Right. Because I discovered, after taking it for quite a while, that it was 
that Xanax and Ativan had the same effect. They started to make me very depressed. They can do that. That's absolutely one of the side effects is that long-term use of benzos can make you depressed. I have to say when I've said this to a bunch of different doctors uh, over time, they've all said, kind of looked at me like that's not possible. Yeah, it's the same doctors that tell you that a baby can't run a fever from teething. Right, right, exactly. So I um, have one answer for that. Ha! <laughs> right, so I'm, I'm careful not to take Ativan or Xanax because I know that... It will depress you. It will depress me pretty quickly. And I always found it interesting that you did so well on Xanax because I tried Xanax one time and passed out for two days on like a really low dose. Right. So it's just so interesting how... And that Ad- happened to me with Ativan, Exactly. Basically. It's like Ativan made you sleepy. I'm not at all sleepy on Ativan. Right. I can operate farm machinery and it's not going to matter. I So everybody metabolizes medication differently. We're going to take a 10-second break to take some deep breaths and gulp some water, and then we'll be right back with part two of the podcast. Don't go away. Abby and I have designed a checklist of questions that we wished we had asked our first prescribing psychiatrist or doctor. We also recommend asking these questions to a pharmacist. They know so much and they're an underutilized resource. They're trained in drug interactions. Now, once again, it's wonderful and preferred if you can ask a psychiatrist, but we're pragmatists and we understand that most people are getting their anxiety meds from their internists or from an OBGYN. So Mags is going to go through the checklist, which you can find on our website, www.anxietysisters.com. It's under the resources section. Are you ready, Mags? I am ready. Okay, the first question to ask is, why are you prescribing this particular medication to me? A doctor should be able to tell you why they're giving you one SSRI over another SSRI, why they're giving you an SSRI why they're giving you one benzo over another benzo, why they think that you need it. The second question is, what is the therapeutic dosage of this medication? So here's the idea. For an SSRI in particular, you start on a starter dose because there are side effects, as we told you, and if you start on a lower dose, then it will mitigate some of the side effects. Your body adjusts. Your body adjusts to them. After a while, to be fully effective, you need to be raised to a higher dose, to a therapeutic dose. So, for example, when I first started on Paxil, I think I they started me on 10 milligrams or something like that, um, which is not a therapeutic dose. That's not enough to be a fully effective in treating anxiety. But it was enough to take for the first two weeks so that my body could get used to the medication. And then I ended up on 25 milligrams, which I stayed on, and that was the therapeutic dosage that I needed. So know that the first dosage you take is not going to be the full dosage. Okay. Another question is, what are my instructions for taking this medication? Do's and don'ts. When should I take it? With food, without food. What time of day or night should I take it? Does it matter? Does it matter if I take it the same time every day or can it be at different times? Right. Also, along with that is making sure that your doctor knows all the other drugs and all the other 
herbs and supplements that you're on and asking about interactions. And this is where a pharmacist can be very helpful because I would also ask a pharmacist about interactions. Absolutely. Quick story. Uh, My, uh, someone in my family was on an SSRI and then she got breast cancer. And so she had to go on tamoxifen and, you are not allowed to be on the SSRI that she was on and tamoxifen at the same time. It makes the tamoxifen worthless. It, you know, it nullifies its effects. And her doctor didn't know this, or at least didn't pick it up when she prescribed it. And I was the one who said to this family member, hey, you can't take those. You need to take a different medication, and this is the one that's typically used with tamoxifen. So it's really important to, to check out drug interactions. Right, Exactly. Another question is, when will this work and what can I do in the meantime? Like we told you, SSRIs are not quick-acting drugs. Um, They can take anywhere from four to six weeks to really become effective. In some people, it's a little less. In some people, it's a little more. So that if you are suffering during that time, you're probably going to need a benzo or something else to help you get through. Don't be afraid to ask. Ask the prescribing physician, say, I am not, I'm not functioning well. What can I do until this works? We also think it's a good idea to ask about side effects and how you can manage them. Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay, so if you're Maggie, asking about the side effects is fine. But if you're Abby, don't ask about side effects because I am what you might call a suggestible sister. And for any of you out there who are like this, when I hear about symptoms, I have them. So if you're like me, you shouldn't ask about the side effects because you will actually bring them on yourself. So lessons learned. What have we learned from medication? Well, a lot of people will tell you that you can exercise away anxiety or you can meditate away anxiety or go to yoga class. You can do a lot of other things other than medication. And those things are truly helpful. They are. But in my case, and if in your case it's the same thing, if you can't get out of the house... It's very hard to go to yoga class or exactly. to meditate. Exactly. Or if you're in such extreme discomfort that you're starting to miss work or miss social obligations. Or life. Or life <laughs> in general. Then all of the other ways to deal with anxiety and manage anxiety aren't worth anything. Exactly. You can't muscle through. That's what I've learned. I wish I had known then what I know now. I would have gone on medication so much sooner. I would have gotten back so many days that I spent in bed. And we have to get rid of the stigma around medication because for many, many people, including Mags and myself, it, it was the only treatment that we were able to do before we were able to try other things. And just like with every other treatment, question your doctor, whoever is prescribing the medication. They need to have some time to answer your questions and get good instructions. Be an informed consumer. On our next podcast, we will be discussing panic attacks, or as we like to call them, spinning, and what to do when you have one. Okay, question of the podcast is, what is your experience with medication? We want to hear from you. Email us at absandmags at anxietysisters.com or visit our website or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Anxiety Sisters. Lastly, we have some really exciting news. The Spin Cycle is now on iTunes and SoundCloud. Be sure you subscribe right away so you don't miss an episode. 
Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, anxiety sisters, don't, don't go, go it alone. You're listening to The Spin Cycle, an Anxiety Sisters production. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.